You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 17th of March, 2023. We'll start with the Australian share market, which had its worst week in six months, but ended this Friday higher by 0.4% on the S&P ASX 200. That's after 11 US banks came together to save another failing bank, this time Californian-based First Republic. For more, I spoke with ANZ's head of FX strategy, Marja Beans Aman. Marja Bean, another day, another bank. This time, US-based First Republic has been caught up in the widening crisis triggered by the collapse of Silicon Valley and signature banks. The difference this time, though, is that 11 of America's biggest banks injected 30 billion US dollars in deposits to keep it going. So I guess the question is, why this action? What do the big banks have to gain from doing such a thing? Look, I think, first of all, they get more deposits on hand, which is a positive thing. But more importantly, you know, in such a situation, swift crisis response is the action needed to reduce any risk of contagion. So, I mean, overall, uh, the whole point behind this was really to reduce the interest volatility that we have seen in the market. And obviously, overnight, as a result of this action, you have seen, you know, there's positive risk sentiment in the market. Today, equities are higher, Aussie dollar is higher, our growth proxies are generally higher. Um, generally, you know, I think this is really taking uh, learning lessons uh, from previous crises. We need to remember that this is pretty much unique uh, and isolated to U.S. regional banks, uh, not a gro- global problem. And pretty much, I think that's what the U.S. Um, you know, regulators want to maintain it too. It feels like, though, every day we hear of a different bank, right? So it started with Silica, uh, Signature, then Silicon, then Credit Suisse, now First Republic, right? We're constantly hearing from US Treasury, the ECB overnight, and even locally that the banking system is sound despite the shaky confidence. So are you worried at all? Actually, no. You know why? Because there have been, you know, I guess in the past couple of days, there have been three key developments. The first being the bank term funding program announced in the U.S., uh, which kind of was led out for to SVB and Signature initially and many, many, any other banks that might be in a difficult situation. So that's really giving them liquidity, you know, protecting the depositors. Secondly, we have seen, you know, obviously Credit Suisse has been in the news, but, you know, the Swiss National Bank has also sort of extended a bit of a lifeline to them as well, uh, just to stabilize the risk around that. And thirdly, you know, we've had these 30, uh, 10 banks, uh, you know, 10, 11 banks inject 30 billion into uh, First Republic Bank. Now, these three key actions tells us that there is a really a really a concerted effort within, you know, the corporates and the central banks to kind of keep this, you know, um, issue from, you know, becoming a bigger one. I think financial stability is key. And, you know, that's what uh, these actions have done, maintain try to maintain financial stabilities so that central banks can really focus on monetary policy, fighting inflation. You know, that's something we've been talking about most of this and last year. Okay, so speaking of central banks, the European Central Bank still lifted interest rates overnight as a result. Next week, we've got the US Federal Reserve. Will these uh, banking issues force the US at least to pause because the ECB didn't seem worried? They said, hey, we're still worried about inflation. Let's lift rates. 
Look, I think that's really uh, a turning point, uh, which we saw with the ECB. They went ahead, and that's because you know they have been ECB has been talking about fifty pretty much forward guard guidance and spelling it out that we are going to hike. Inflation is, is an issue. If they didn't go ahead, that would impact their credibility. Um, now, when we look on the other side, we have uh, FOMC meeting this week. Um, you know, we are expecting at least a twenty-five basis points rate hike again on the basis that we did have CPI number released not too long ago. Again, it's you know it's pretty running pretty hot. And at the same time, you know, I think after this meeting, next steps will be quite critical. Um, you know, we're looking at the press conference to see what they say. Clearly, just like the ECB, um, FOMC or Fed is going to be data dependent. And, you know, it will also be interesting to see the spillover effects from, you know, these two or three banks that have been impacted in the U.S. What are the spillover effects? Will there be, you know, job losses or will there be, you know, demand destruction, which could sort of manage, you know, a little bit of that downside to inflation, which the Fed wants anyway. Now, what about Australia, though? Today, we saw Westpac's Bill Evans revise his RBA call. He's now predicting a pause in April and is just expecting one rate rise after that instead of two. ANZ, for example, is still expecting two more. What's the market pricing in? Look, I think we are expecting two more. Um, of course, markets a bit dislocated right now because of the interest rate volatility that's taking place. Markets are not pretty much not pricing in uh, the expectations that we have for a 4.1% terminal rate. And we think, you know, of course, uh, Governor Lowe did come out to say post uh, the RBA meeting uh, this month that he's going to look at four things before, before deciding which way to go with the rates. Um, of course, we know that inflation, that business surveys, there's retail sales, and then there's job numbers. Now, we got job numbers yesterday. After two months of really soft numbers, we saw a huge pickup in employment. We had 65,000 uh, you know, added for employment growth. Unemployment is a lower at 3.5%. That's not what the RBA wants. And so, you know, momentum in the economy remains pretty strong. Business conditions remain pretty strong. Inflation still fairly high. Labor demand record high. Uh, migrations coming in in a big way that kind of will boost consumption so we think we need at least two more rate hikes ahead in april and may for now and finally and back on the markets as you mentioned before quite volatile lately what will it take for us to see that volatility die down Look, I think um, central banks will really drive the markets going forward. Um, you know, currently what has made things a little bit more difficult, I think, or, or more challenging in, in overseas markets is that, um, you know, Federal Reserve board members are currently in blackout period before the FOMC, which means they're not able to comment or respond to what's happening in the market right now. Um, you know, of course, um, right after the FOMC, we will be looking out to very closely into what, you know, different, uh, you know, how the response to this uh, regional U.S. banking crisis and more importantly, what uh, Chair Powell says in his press conference. More importantly, locally, we do have the RBA minutes coming next week. Those are important. They will give us some sort of an insight as to what the board is thinking in terms of its recent hike and what they're thinking of the way ahead as well. Marja Beans, a man there from ANZ. Now, as we discussed, uh, Westpac has become the first of the big four banks to predict the RBA will pause its rate rising cycle in April, and it's also revised down its expectations for the peak in interest rates from 4.1% to 3.85. To explain, I spoke briefly with Matt Hassan. He's a senior economist at Westpac. We think that uh, the instability in global financial markets uh, 
is something we need to be wary of. Uh, the RBA's already signalled that a, a pause will be on the table when it comes to meet in April. We think it would be prudent to exercise that option until we see a more settled backdrop. That compares to like the Fed and the ECB, where uh, they are very clearly uh, moving more aggressively on rates than the RBA's signalling at the moment. So we think there's scope there for the RBA to use a bit of that option for a pause in April. And just finally, what about the split between international concerns and domestic concerns? In other words, do you think it's just this potential of a global banking crisis that's concerning the RBA, or are there more domestic issues that it's more concerned about? Look, I think we've had a pretty clear commentary from the RBA governor that uh, they are starting to see some of the effects of interest rate rises showing through more clearly domestically, particularly around the consumer. Uh, and that it was moving into a, a mode of operation where they're looking to tweak rates rather than get sort of as quickly as possible to tight. So I think uh, they are starting to get into a different mode around their. So coming back to your question, is it international or domestic concerns? Well, I think uh, it's more that they think they've got policy into broadly the right territory for our domestic economy. Uh, the external international concerns just mean it's not a great backdrop to be acting on policy in April. Matthew Hassan there from Westpac. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.